Welcome to the Hidden Archives. I'm your host, Nicole Clark. We have some big news to share this week regarding the success of the show. Shortly after the release of the last episode, we reached 10,000 downloads. We always hoped to see this project take off, but this is overwhelming. Thank you all so much for your support. In an effort to keep up the momentum, you can expect the next episode to air two weeks from today. You may have noticed that we have a special affinity for Alfred Hitchcock here at the Archives. That is why he is the presenter of tonight's warning of content with the following. I'm full of fears, and I do my best to avoid difficulties and any kind of complications. I like everything around me to be clear as crystal and completely calm. So let's make this crystal clear. If you choose to enter the hidden archives, if you choose to study the tomes, if you choose to take this journey with me, you do so at your own risk. Profanity and disturbing content may follow. This is your warning. If you have ever been accused of doing something terrible, you have that in common with tonight's antagonist. You see, James Horn finds himself in the unfortunate situation of being in the wrong place at the wrong time. But there may be more to the story than just that as we discover from his efforts to run and hide. Hey you! What are you doing there? Oh my god! What have you done? Stay right there, I'm calling the authorities. Before she could so much as pull her phone out of its belt holster, I slammed the lady with a hard right hook and jumped into my 98 Camaro that I had left running. I could feel all 305 horsepower transferred to the road as I let out the clutch. Well, that isn't entirely accurate. I simultaneously slammed down hard on the gas pedal and popped the clutch. All the same, I was getting the hell out of there. They weren't going to pin this on me. James Horn was not going to take the rap for this. The burgundy color of the car was hard to see under the dim glow of the halogen streetlights. But the noise was unmistakable. I had to hit the freeway, and fast. Back roads and country lanes were out of the question with a deep, throaty growl coming from the car's exhaust. The scene, which I had narrowly escaped, if I escaped, that is, was well out of sight in the rearview mirror, but it was still burned into the back of my mind. The still quiet of the midnight hour, her body crushed below the eighth-floor balcony, splayed open by the impact like a butterflied piece of meat. The headlights of the Camaro illuminated the whole scene as that bitch who tried to call the cops on me walked up with her poodle. Then I remembered the dozen or so news reports that I had seen previously that were reporting the finds of all the other girls that had ended up in the same way. It was all damning. I had to put it as far behind me as possible. They say that our little town has a serial killer that's pushing girls off of various balconies and other heights all around town. Somehow, and they don't know exactly, there have never been any witnesses. The pusher, as they've called the killer, hasn't been caught on camera, nor has he been seen by teens at the town's scenic overlook, where the first three murders took place. 
He hasn't even been seen by any paranoid senior citizens peeping through their blinds in the neighborhoods where several of the other girls were found dead below their own apartment windows. They have nothing on this guy. No leads, no suspects, nothing. For my own well-being, I'd like it to stay that way for a while. The police originally thought that maybe it was a rash of suicides committed by some crazy underground cult. There was just no way to explain it. But somehow, they put the pieces together and figured out that it's a serial killer. They told the public to be vigilant, but careful. Like that bitch with that little shit dog. But with my track record, I wasn't taking any chances. I found the girl like that, but I had no way to prove anything. I had to run and hide. All of this was swimming around my head as I reached the freeway on-ramp. I dropped down to third gear and floored it around the tight curve of the cloverleaf ramp. I couldn't hear any sirens, but all the same, I turned off my headlights and started weaving around the few cars that were there this late at night. But, just my luck, the low gas warning light came on about two miles before the city limit line. After that, it was all wilderness for about 50 miles down a two-lane road without so much as a single service station. I would have to stop within a few minutes. God damn gas guzzler. I got off on the last exit before the city limit line and started looking for the most expensive station I could find. I figured there would be more people at the cheap stations, so I narrowed my chances of being sighted by staying away from them. Maybe I was being overly careful. It's possible that the bitch with the phone hadn't reported it, and it was also possible that she didn't see my car. At least I know she didn't see the plates. The bulb that illuminates the rear plate burned out about two weeks ago. But a little security was worth five cents more a gallon. I pulled up to a pump beside a beat-to-hell Toyota Corolla. It was the only other car at the station, and the owner was leaning against the driver's side door, smoking a cigarette and waiting for the tank to fill. She looked familiar, but I wasn't in the mood to talk to anyone. I wasn't even going to tell her to put out the fucking cigarette before she blew us all up. I just got out of the Camaro, swiped my credit card, started filling, and faced the other way. However... I caught a whiff of smoke from the cigarette and started to cough. <coughs> oh, sorry about that. I'll put it out. Guess I'm not supposed to smoke at a gas station anyway. Just what I was trying to avoid. Idle conversation. I kept looking the other way as I nodded. But she was apparently in a talkative mood because she came back with... Jeez. This little car sure can drink, can't it? It was taking an obnoxiously long time for that little Corolla to fill up. There was no denying that. Yep, I said as I nodded again and kept looking away. Then she said, Nice car, by the way. Z28, right? Yep. This girl just had to talk, didn't she? So what do you think of all these murders lately? It's like the killer has some sort of supernatural power to avoid detection. 
crazy. Uh-huh, pretty crazy. This was getting irritating. Of all the things I didn't want to talk about, she had to go and pick the worst of them. And now, she was starting to sound familiar, too. Oh, wouldn't you know it. Tank's already full. Must have clicked off a few minutes ago when I went into the car to light up. I turned to face her. Look, but I'm not really in a mood for conversation. And that's when I made eye contact with her. It was the phone, bitch. Look, I'm on to you. I saw you there, looking over that girl. You barely dazed me when you hit me. So I followed you here. I knew you would need to fill up before you ran. And moreover, I knew if you were smart, you'd go to a nice quiet gas station for gas. Didn't think you would see me here, though, did you? Hey, lady, it's not what you think. I mean, I, I know how it looked, but it's not like that. Don't bullshit me, asshole. She had worked her way over to where I was standing. Then I noticed she was holding a gun. Okay, okay. Just calm down now, huh? Don't be a vigilante with that thing. She looked down at the gun in her hand as I said this. But as she did, I ripped the gas pump out of the tank and sprayed her with a cold jet of 97 octane. It must have burned like hell in her eyes and mouth because she hit the floor, groaning in agony. I jumped into the car, hit the lock switch, and fired it up. Phone bitch didn't even try to chase me this time. Last thing I saw, she had gotten up and grabbed a handful of those little blue towels that you're supposed to use to clean up gas spills, and she was frantically dabbing her eyes with them and spitting long, sticky trails of saliva and gasoline. Then. I was gone. Just a shame she wasn't still smoking. Why did this lady have it out for me so badly? Did she really think I pushed the girl? She didn't know anything. She was just another victim of media-induced paranoia, like everyone else who swallows social media clickbait, hook, line, and sinker. I was about to get back on the freeway. I checked my rear view to see if I could spot any headlights. Dark. That was good. But that didn't mean that she didn't have them off. I would have to be even more careful from here on out. I floored it and kept it floored. There was no way that she would be able to keep up with me in that piece of shit Toyota. The road was clear and I was sustaining speeds of around 135 miles per hour. A long time ago... When I first bought the car, I had a police radar scanner installed on the dash. I never really had a need for it before now. I didn't even know if it worked all that well. But I turned it on anyway. Silence. Not so much as a chirp from it, and the row of LED lights stayed all the way to the left in the green zone. It seemed I was safe. I had bet someone else had found the girl and thus, most of the town's small police force was at the scene right then. Things were starting to look good for me. About time, too. I narrowly avoided some pretty heavy trouble back there. I went back to watching the lights on the radar scanner. Still green. But when I looked back through the windshield, I saw brake lights up ahead. I slammed on the brakes and tried to swerve into the next lane, but I clipped the car in front of me and started to fishtail. 
I was able to regain control and come to a safe stop. But the other car spun off into a ditch not too far from where I was. I set the emergency brake and ran back to the other car. When I got there, though, I saw that it was that same Toyota Corolla that was back at the service station. How the hell had she caught up with me, and without me noticing? Her car was on its roof and it didn't look like she was conscious. It was almost like this lady had a supernatural power to piss me off. But she wasn't coming away from this one. And she certainly didn't have a supernatural power to flip the car back onto its tires. For the third time tonight, I jumped back into the Camaro and left this lady in the dust. Now there were a couple things wrong with my situation. First, I could just about assume that I had been reported to the police. Second, I had a headlight out from the crash, which made me an obvious target to police, if they didn't nab me for speeding first. And third, it looked like phone bitch was turning into psycho phone bitch. But hopefully, she was still back there dying in the ditch. Her car was leaking gas. I could smell it. And I thought about lighting it on fire, but I'm not that type of person. I was sure she got her comeuppance, and I probably wouldn't have to deal with her again. Fifteen minutes later, I noticed that I only got about a quarter tank when I filled up. The car was running low again, but I was only about 20 or 25 miles from the next town and the next service station. However, as I came to a wide bend in the road, just a little further down, I heard a chirp, then a long, drawn-out tone from the radar scanner. I slowed the car and rounded the turn at more than 20 under the posted speed limit. As the road straightened out, I saw it, the red and blue glow of a police roadblock. I slowed to a stop about a quarter mile from the line of cruisers. A helicopter came overhead and turned the spotlight on me. A booming voice from the helicopter's loudspeaker declared that I was surrounded and instructed me to step out of my vehicle and lie face down on the road with my hands on my head. Over the sound of the loudspeaker, the helicopter, and the pop-pop-crackle-pop of the idling Camaro, I could hear eager police dogs barking and begging to sink their teeth into me. Finally, more cruisers came up behind me. Now they really did have me surrounded. Then I heard an all-too-familiar voice booming over another loudspeaker behind me. This is Detective Fullerton. You need to step slowly out of your car with both hands where we can see them. If you try anything, we will shoot to kill. Yep, it was phone bitch, all right. It was starting to look like I was out of options. Until I spotted a narrow dirt road that they hadn't blocked, that is. Sure, it probably led to some farmhouse that was only accessible by a jeep, but it was my only option. I was much closer to it than the nearest cruiser was, and all the police officers would have to get back in their cars before they could chase me. However, I would be required to spin the car almost exactly 90 degrees before I could take it. But it was my only option. So I built up the revs and made it look like I was going to charge the line. Then, I let out the clutch 
cranked the wheel hard to the left, and straightened out just before I hit the road. I could hear the gravel bouncing off the inside of the wheel wells. There was almost no traction on this road. I was committed though, because now the police had started to take chase behind me. However, they were pretty far behind and the tree cover was so thick that the helicopter couldn't keep track of anything more than the dust stirred up into the air. It looked like all was going well until the road abruptly ended and I slammed into a tall pine tree. Now I'm sitting here, probably bleeding out. It's getting more and more difficult to breathe. But I'll be okay knowing I won't go to jail for killing all those girls. I knew they wouldn't pin this on me. There's no evidence. How do I know? Because I didn't leave any. Yeah, I found that last girl like that. But that's only because I put her like that. Just like all the others. The real tragedy of this story is the destruction of a Camaro Z28. It didn't deserve this. Again, the Hidden Archives extends our most sincere gratitude to every listener, whether you have been with us from the beginning or if this is your first time. There are many more stories from the Hidden Archives that have yet to be shared. We hope that you join us next time for another Glimpse Within. This has been a production of the Rhodes Collaborative Experience, LLC. Please no reproduction, duplication, or bastardization of any content without written consent from RCX or its partners. Ex Animo, Ex Tempus, in Archivum. <laughs>